Please open up your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. If uh, you've been here uh, for our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to encourage you today that to hang in there, to hang in there. Uh, I'm not saying we're at the end, uh, but I can see the end. I can kind of see it a couple months out. Um, I, I realize that uh, sometimes the book of Ecclesiastes uh, is, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, you feel like you're out in the desert already, uh, and it's another sunny day. And uh, you come even to church, and some of you are struggling with uh, many, many struggles of life and various things, and you come and we look to the scripture and sometimes it's difficult. Uh, and I want to tell you, just hang in there, just hang in there, uh, hang in there for the exciting conclusion uh, in the next couple of months to the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we are in uh, chapter eight and this this morning I'd like to start in uh, chapter eight, verse 14. If you'd stand in honor of God's word. Uh, I'd like to read to you from 14 to the end of the chapter. God's word says this, that there is a vanity that takes place on earth and there that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And uh, there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous I said uh, that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, uh, for the man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this, uh, this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out uh, the work that is done under the sun. However, however much man toils in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that this morning uh, that you would help us to see clearly what this life is all about. Uh, I pray that you would encourage us and comfort us this day. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, as we look to God's word, I have three points of life under the sun. Uh, the first one is vanity under the sun. As you look at verse 14, uh, he brings up this word that he use, has used so often, vanity, right? This word of fleeting or uh, worthlessness or meaninglessness or it's not worth it. It's not worth it what I'm going to talk about, um, not you know, what he's going to share here, not what I'm going to talk about. Um, there is vanity that takes place on the earth. As you look at this, I want you to hear over and over again under the sun this morning, placed on earth, stuck down here. Um, this is where we are, right? Uh, this is where God has us in this time and place. He has us under the sun. He has us here on earth. It's so often uh, fun to think about what heaven would be, be like. 
Uh, and then our eyes are open again, and we have laundry to do. We have to go to work. We have to uh, deal uh, uh, with our children or our parents. We have to pay bills. We have these things of life that we're stuck down here with. And this is what we're talking about this morning, this place on earth, this place under the sun. And we're limited there. We're, we're limited in this place on earth under the sun. And as he begins to uh, bring this together, and really he is taking, uh, he's already spoken of this over and over and over again. And for us who have been studying this, we hear this over and over and over again. Uh, it might be frustrating. It might be seem, uh, seem like I've, I've watched this show already. This is a rerun. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, it's there for impact for us that we would not forget. In verse 14, it says, if he's saying, another example of vanity for you. Uh, another picture uh, that takes place here on this earth. Uh, if you're here the last few weeks, you've seen him already talk about this first idea uh, that we're going to look at this morning. In uh, chapter 7, verse 15, uh, he says this, in my vain life I have seen e e everything. There is a righteous man uh, who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in evil doing. And he, he, in chapter 8, uh, verse 14, he's talking about righteous people getting what the wicked deserve. I want you to think about that right now, and think about uh, if you've ever seen, or you can see uh, in your life right now, those who are righteous uh, seem to get what the wicked deserve in your mind. As you, as you look at their life, you say, well, uh, they've tried to do what's right. They've served one another. They've been a good husband, a good wife. Uh, they've been a good citizen. They've been a hard worker. They've been a good student. They've taken care of themselves. And it seems like the, the next step for them would be to get good stuff but it seems as though they got what was deserved for the wicked. Um, it's as if they went to their mailbox and they said, this isn't my mail. This belongs in somebody else's box. This is a bill somebody else should have to pay. Uh, and yet he looks upon this life, this earth, and he says there are righteous people to whom it happens that the deeds that they get according to the deeds of the wicked. That's tough for us to see. And maybe uh, in a similar way, or maybe even more difficult for us to see, is when the wicked, those who are selfish about their life, those are people who are not following the rules, those are people who are stealing and, and uh, lying over and over again, and, and, and yet they get what we would say would be the rewards of the righteous. This picture is hard for us to um, put together, and we all have these things where we say it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not going the way it should go. And in our in our minds, we might our conclusion might be, it seems like no one gets what they deserve. 
Uh, those who are righteous don't get what they deserve, and the wicked, they don't get what they deserve. It, it's this frustration of moral order. Uh, in, a, in a simpler way, in our minds, it's bad math, right? Uh, we, we learn the simple stuff. One plus one equals two, and that's the way it's got to be all the time. It doesn't matter. And yet, when we see a righteous person living a righteous life, we think that they should go together, and that should uh, bear itself out in, in good things that come to their life. And when it doesn't, we say it's bad math. It doesn't work. It doesn't equal what we think it should equal. He says it again uh, as he looks upon this vanity that he sees on the place of this earth. He said, I said, this also is vanity. Vanity. It's this frustration of life. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Uh, it makes me want to give up. You think about that and you think uh, how injustice or this idea that righteous don't re always receive righteousness, right, the deeds of the righteous, when, when they don't see that, especially for kids, what, what do they think? What do they think? They think, well, why do what's right? Why do what's right? Uh, if I don't get a benefit from doing what's right, if, if someone who's doing evil, if someone who's not playing by the rules wins in the end, why should I be righteous? Isn't it better just to be evil and get the benefit? Uh, this is part of the frustration, isn't it? The frustration of this life. It's not fair. Uh, you know, there's a few words that kids learn early, right? Their first sentence, I think, is, it's not fair. At least if they have siblings, by the way. You know, right? Uh, it's not fair. So there's vanity under the sun. And he said this over and over and over again. This idea of vanity fleeting under the sun. I, I want to remind you that this is just under the sun, right? That this life, there's a sense of emptiness and and fleeting, and not profit. And so uh, I want to connect this with your soul right now. Uh, for you to experience that in your life right now, for you to say, man, I'm so frustrated. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. That's a great conclusion under the sun, under the sun. Just down here, apart from God having a place for you in heaven, just down here, it may not seem worth it. And I want to tell you, uh, it's not that you're seeing wrong. It's probably that you're seeing accurate. That things aren't worth it down here. He moves on to verse 15 and brings up this idea of under the sun again. But he's, he talks about the best that we can do under the sun. He says, and I commend joy. I commend joy. For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. The picture here of commending joy is to uh, give it to you. It's the idea of setting it apart, of lifting it up, of, of saying this is something for you, something for you that would be good here under the sun. And I want to tell you this is good for everybody. 
This is good for those who have trusted in Christ and their sins are forgiven, but it's also good for everyone else. Uh, th- this idea that for them to seek joy here in this life. The writer of the book of Ecclesiastes says, I commend joy. And he, he says this, he says, uh, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Um, how many of you have a list of things to do? Some of you, you say, well, I don't really have a list. I have a role. I have a role of things to do, right? Uh, it just keeps rolling. It's kind of like Santa Claus's list, right? You know, it just goes on and on and on. You got some things you want to do. Um, how many of you have enough time to do everything on your list? <laughs> Nobody raise their hand. Nobody raise their hand. And so uh, then we get to the idea of prioritizing, right? And you look at your list. Um, most of you do the things you want to do on your list, right? You know, uh, you, you, you say, oh, those seem... But, but there comes a time in the economy of time and uh, the scarcity of it, right? You have to say, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to do this because it's better than this. I want to tell you that when you hear those words better uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, your ears should perk up. It should be something that's clarifying to you and giving you a priority for your life. Um, it's interesting when you're young, time doesn't mean anything, right? doesn't mean anything. You, you just like, you're just spending it right and left. You don't really care about how, you know, uh, if someone says you're wasting time, you look at them and smile and say, what? Who cares? <laughs> you know? I'll get to it tomorrow. And yet, the, the older you get, the, the sense of uh, your, your time is going like this, right? Your time is going like, and your energy, by the way, right? You know, is going like this. And so there's this idea that says, I have to do that, which is more important. I have to pick and choose what I'm going to be a part of. I want to tell you, he says, this is better. This is better for you who are under the sun, which is you and I and everybody else. There's something better. There's something better. And he goes back to this theme that he said over and over again. He said, uh, that thing that is better under the sun is to eat and drink and be joyful. Eat and drink and be joyful. I would even say this in the context here. In light, in light of the frustrations of this world, in light of the injustices that we may see, in light of uh, righteousness and wickedness being side by side and not always turning out the way we think, in light of that, the best or the, the better that we can find in this life under the sun is to eat and drink and be joyful. He has said this, uh, this is the fourth time he's used this as a conclusion uh, to the frustrations of this life. I want to tell you that for us, and, and I want to um, I, I say this, um, you need to tell yourself to do this, to eat and drink and be joyful. Um, it is not something that comes naturally to you. Uh, you may say, oh, yeah, it does. You know, whenever I'm not thinking about anything, I'm at the refrigerator going like this. Uh, 
The, the picture here is this. Once again, it floats between a simple meal of uh, peanut butter and jelly. You know, it doesn't say peanut butter. Unless you know the Hebrew, it doesn't say peanut butter and jelly in there. But it, it's a simple meal to feasting on the best meals. And, and the idea here is this, that to do a simple thing of life, it's interesting, the, the most, you know, I don't know what the most extravagant meal you've ever had has been. Maybe it was, uh, maybe some of you have, you know, gone to Denny's before, and uh, it was a really fancy day for you. You went to Denny's, or maybe you went to some fancy restaurant that you saw on TV, and you spent hundreds or, of dollars, and some of you have maybe even spent more than that, and you've, you've experienced this amazing meal, and you could tell me about that meal, and I, I would be really impressed, but the thing that I would point out to you is that meal is over. It is over. It's done with. You may still be paying for it in more than one way. In more than one way. Uh, you can figure those things out. But uh, uh, you may be still paying for it. But I want to tell you that meal is over. And so the picture here is this. Is to enjoy the moment. To enjoy the moment. I want to tell you that may be difficult for you. That may be difficult for you. Some of you carry the burdens of life in this morning. And um, you say, well, to enjoy a meal, that, that, that's a simple thing. Anyone can do that. No, not necessarily. Because to enjoy a meal means you have to be able to disconnect it from the burdens that you have going into that meal. Some of you may have heavy burdens. Maybe you're facing things that, that you don't want to face. And the idea of enjoying this moment seems impossible. How can I enjoy a meal when this is true? How can I enjoy a meal when this is true in my world? How can I enjoy a meal uh, maybe as a country if they're going to war? How can I enjoy a meal when this is the leader of my country? How can I enjoy a meal when my marriage isn't what I want it to be? How can I enjoy a meal when my children aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing? How can I enjoy a meal? So the call is for us who are under the sun to enjoy the meal. And sometimes that might be hard. And so there's this there's this focus that says, hey, not everything is right. Not everything is right. But I can enjoy this meal that has been placed before me. I can enjoy sitting down. I can enjoy God's provision, even if it won't last beyond this moment. He calls us to something better. And really to all people. It's interesting uh, some of you have may, maybe seen shirts or uh, tire covers or whatever that say, life is good, life is good. And I like that. I, I like that. I like that a lot because um, what, what that is and my best hopes for that person and for me is this idea that says, you know, for the most part, everything in my life, if you take the whole character of my life, life is good. Life is good. And I can enjoy this day. Uh the problem is with that is that sometimes there are overwhelming clouds that are covering our life. There are things that, that, that are just overwhelming us. 
And I don't believe this passage is saying, uh, act like those things don't exist. Uh, I think it's just saying, enjoy the meal. Enjoy the meal. Enjoy this moment. Even in the midst of things that are not as they should be. If you go on in verse 15, you realize that this idea of eating and drinking and being joyful is in the midst of the toil of the days of this life. It's in the midst of the toil of the days of this life. That word toil is not just work, it's hard work. It's wearisome work. It's wearisome work. Uh, sometimes uh, people ask us how we're doing, and we just say, we're tired. We're tired. Uh, that proves you're living, by the way. You're tired, right? It proves that, you know, this is what the book of Ecclesiastes, that life is toil. It's not easy to get up in the morning. It's not easy to take care of the things that are on your plate. It's not easy to keep going. But in the midst of that life of toil, he says, what's best or better for you is to eat and drink and be joyful one of the themes he brings up again is uh, that we're to do this, the, the days of life that God has given him under the sun. Uh, God's given us days here under the sun right now. Uh, some of you are wondering how many more days you have. I don't know. Nobody knows, right? You, you may think you know, but you don't know. Uh, all we know is that we're here, right? And if we're here under the sun, and he hasn't taken us home yet, this is part of the days that he has for us. And so he calls us uh, to do what's best, and that's to eat and drink and find enjoyment in this day. Uh, today is what, what's the date today? July 1st. When you're really not sure, that's what a pastor does. Uh, July 4th is on Wednesday, if I've done my math correct. Um, Wednesday. And what should you do on Wednesday? Eat, drink, be joyful. Why? Why? That's if you're here, by the way, right? It's if you're here. If God's given you a day, that's what you should do. And some of you are going to stress out about it. You're going to stress out about it. You're going to go, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but what if I, I don't have enough food for the party that I'm throwing? What if, what if I forgot something? What if we don't have plates? Uh, what if the decorations aren't right? Some of you are going to go even bigger and more, you know, uh, I can't celebrate because I don't like what's happening politically in our country. I don't agree with everything that's going on. I can't do it. I can't celebrate what I can't celebrate in my... And, and my point here is this. Think about it. He's called us as He's given us life. As He's given us life. To have that simple meal. To have that simple meal. And to enjoy. To be able to say... Uh, what God has granted me today is enough to enjoy. That's what you should do on the 4th of July.
really uh, the 3rd of July too and the 2nd and today. Come to verse 16 and we look at the work of God under the sun. Once again, he goes back to uh, his view of what's going on on the earth from his vantage point. He says, when I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth. He applied his heart. Um, and I want to say this. Um, most of us like to figure things out, like to figure things out. We, we like to feel like we're smart enough to figure things out, right? Um, that's why most of us, uh, you know, the, the intelligent people of Bear Valley Church like to do puzzles. We like to do puzzles. The grand satisfaction of finding one piece and putting it in and kind of standing back and going, ha, did everyone see I just did put that piece in the puzzle right there? The simple successes. Others of you uh, do Sudoku and crosswords. And you're, you're, you're looking for that simple success that you say, I am an expert. Um, I want to tell you that the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes was going much grander. And that, that's why he was frustrated, by the way. That's why his heart uh, was stirred and was felt in upheaval before him. Why? Uh, you look at this, and over and over, he comes back to this. He says, verse 16, when I applied my heart to know wisdom, what, what his desire was to be wise, um, and to see the business that is done uh, on earth. Once again, he's considering this, what, what, what goes on down here. And then he says, how neither day or night does one's, uh, one's eyes see sleep. This idea here is this, that as he sought wisdom, uh, he realized that those who seek wisdom don't sleep at night. Those who are trying to figure out the grand things of life, they don't sleep at night. Why? Because when things don't go together, when things don't have a simple answer, it bothers us more. It bothers us more. And it's not that... Uh, you know, the simple ones, even as we look at uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, it says the one who is the laborer has good sleep at night. Why? He's done. He's done. He's done. But if you're thinking about grand themes at night, what happens? They get more complicated at night, right? It's not that you come up with these great answers and you go, aha, I got a great answer. I'm going to go to sleep now. They get more complicated at night. And the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes knew this well. And what, what goes on here is this, is those who desire to see wisdom. And wisdom is this picture of fitting it all together, of being able to understand how it all fits, and to be able to understand what's going on. Uh, even as we look at this, we realize that uh, this desire to be wise and to know wisdom is to know and see and understand the work of God. Verse 17, he says, Then I saw all the work of God. And these are the things that came out. He, he saw it, but he didn't see it. Okay? He, he looked upon it. He, he could see the outcome. But as he looked upon it, 
it, he realized there was uh, uh, things didn't fit together in his mind, nor anyone else's. He says that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. As he saw the work of God, he realized you can't figure out the work of God. And however much more he may, man may toil in seeking, uh, th- this is, you know, written for us, right? You know, if you don't, if you don't figure out the answer, what, what should you do? Just work harder. Just work harder. Just study harder. It's interesting. Uh, I was I was talking to um, I was talking to one of our aerospace engineers here at Bear Valley Church, and we were talking about different kinds of engineering, and uh, he was talking about aerospace, which most of us are pretty impressed with, especially if you're not an aerospace engineer like myself. Uh, I had a tough time with those balsa wood planes, you know, those little ones that you know, dollar ones, you know. Rubber, the rubber band would go the wrong way. I don't know. But um, I was speaking to one of our aerospace engineers, and I remember saying something, and I said something about electrical engineering. And, and he didn't know, with no intro, he says, witchcraft. <laughs> and I said, witchcraft? And he goes, yeah, electricity's witchcraft. He said, nobody understands it. Nobody should study it. You start over here, and then it jumps over here, and it does something. Witchcraft, I tell you. Um, And I thought that was really funny. Uh, Because he was acknowledging that uh, he saw something that was difficult, and so he looked the other way, right? Uh, He realized, and and, and I want to point something out here. Um, We have a lot of specialized knowledge. You know why? Because we couldn't figure out how it fits together. We, we uh, got frustrated at how wide things got. And we, 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 saw, we wanted to understand everything. And then when we realized we couldn't do it, he says, oh, well, we'll just specialize in something. And I'll let somebody else figure out those things that I can't figure out. I want to point something out to you. That a- as we look at the work of God, we can't take it in can't see it all. We can't say, I, I, I figured it all out. I, I've, I've attained. We are, uh, as the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, side by side with him saying, it, we can't figure it out. We can't figure out the work of God. Well, I, I want to give you some things to remember for the journey under the sun. And uh, these three things that I want to give you here, I, I want to tell you, um, it's kind of like that old phrase that says, uh, Mama said there would be days like this, right? And why is that important to remember, right? Because if your mom or your dad told you that everything's going to be perfect and you're going to be able to dominate, you're going to be able to figure everything out, when that day comes, and it will come, Uh, They've set you up for failure. And this morning, as we've looked to God's word, uh, as we're hearing from God, uh, these three things will be important for us uh, to be able to function and to be able to complete our days here under the sun as we wait uh, for the Lord's return. The the first one is this. uh, The plan of God is too complex for us. The plan of God is too complex for us. 
under the sun. Uh, when life gets complicated, don't stomp your feet. Don't say, uh, you know, I, I won't move on unless I understand everything going forward. The plan of God is too complex for us under the sun. Second one is for us to remember to eat and drink and enjoy. This is the best we can do under the sun. Make it a discipline in the midst of a chaotic world that you would sit and acknowledge that God wants you to enjoy this moment, this time. It's not the wild, silly party. It's the simplicity of enjoying what He has blessed you with today. And lastly, I just want to say this. Life is empty without the Savior, Jesus Christ, under the sun. Life is empty. I look at this and I go, so there's frustration, there's you know injustice, there's just a simple meal that will pass away, there's things too big for me to understand. I want to tell you that seems kind of empty, but that's not the end of the book. That's not the end of the story. Uh, that's not even the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, but as you look at the scripture, you see the plan of God. You see that his son Jesus was coming and was the hope. And he was the one Savior, the one that would give us hope in this life, but not just in this life, in the life to come. Life is empty without Jesus under the sun. Please join with me in prayer. God, we thank you uh, for your kindness and your mercy we thank you for enlightening us, showing us uh, what this life is all about. I, God, I ask that you would help us to reflect on this. And even as we go about celebrating our country uh, this year, uh, this week, Wednesday, that we would acknowledge your kindness to us and we would enjoy the moments that you give us these days. God, thank you for the goodness of the gospel, which we celebrate now in Jesus' name.